0: i've been doing this podcast since september of 2012 and boy are my lips tired this is your daily dose of happy we are so happy you decided to join us today Indeed we are, and uh, welcome to Monday here on LA Today. So glad to have you joining us today. Uh, Walt Teasing here with a special guest, Laura Hale. Um, both Louie and Anne-Marie are on holiday, as they say over in the UK. So they're both going to be missing this week, but they will be back next week as per usual. But Laura and I are going to carry things along here, and, and Laura actually fits in very nicely with the kinds of things we usually talk about here on the show uh, simply because, well, she's kind of like, she does everything that's woo, which we like, right? So so she's a Reiki master. She's into the yoga. She's a hypnotist. She's a therapist. Um, she likes cards. She likes astrology. She like, I mean, you name it. If it's woo, she's into it. So that should pretty much introduce her to you. But I'm going to let her do a little more introducing herself. So, Laura, thank you very much, first of all, for joining us on the program. And how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing fine. And was there i I imagine there's some stuff that I missed there? I mean, is there anything important that I missed in that in that rather um, tongue in cheek introduction that I did?
1: <laughs> well, I would say with the cards are the astrology and numerology of the playing cards. If you've heard of cardology, it's mm. you have a card for your birthday, mm. and I have a course for every card on my website. And it's like you know, we have all those phrases in English, the hand I was dealt. The cards that I'm playing, <laughs> right. it's real. You really do. The card that you have has a hand as well. So all of okay. that you can find just by going to my website, lauratheintuitive.com. But what I'm really passionate about also is I believe that people deep down know what they need to do next, what is um, really in alignment with them. I call it your inner oracle. So mm. it's like you you do have this inner part of you, but most of the time it's just sort of covered up by other people's beliefs, by societal beliefs, by just any kind of little thing where you're putting yourself into a box of some kind. And so what my passion is, is to help people get into that inner oracle and let the inner oracle really be guiding their life.
0: Which makes total sense to us, because that's something we talked about a lot here over the years here on the program. And I I have to admit, I'm still in the process of... Developing that connection. I mean, I suspect even if you're, uh, like an Esther Hicks, you're, you're doing it, you know, forever anyway, just trying to get better and better and better at it. But, uh, somehow some of us are kind of like, uh, further behind and, and that's the, the group that I'm in. <laughs> Making progress, you know, progress is good, but it is slow, you know, one step at a time, little micro steps. Right. But, uh, you know, that I guess that's just because we're on different steps on the journey is all that is.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the important things about it is the ability to, try it out and practice it and then get the validation. Yes. Oh, wait, I did already know that. Like, for example, today I was rushing around and I thought, I think that this podcast might be on video. And then I went and checked and I thought, yes, it is. And I better hurry up and take a shower.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a real world application for how do you use this stuff? That's great. I love that.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's so true. And just having that kind of, Ahead of time knowing or instinct is so helpful in so many different situations. But I also kind of think, I don't know if you talk about this, it's like becoming your own psychic kind of, but mm. at the same time, I do think there are certain things that you actually have to learn about in the moment. So you don't get to know everything about your life ahead of time. Mm. So it doesn't really work like that, okay. but it definitely works with present moment, I think. And also figuring out what is really you. Like to your core, and and what is, you know, your almost like your soul's blueprint, which is why I like to tie the cards in and things like astrology, because it's it's like your blueprint's kind of out there, mapped out in all these different systems, like Human Design, cardology, astrology. I was astrology. going to ask you, yeah, I
0: was going to ask yeah. you Human Design as well. I do love
1: Human Design. I don't know that mm-hmm. much about it, but I do mm-hmm. like it a lot. So it's there are all these systems where you can find out more about who you are and, and get in alignment with that blueprint. And, you know, there's also the piece where you just kind of sit and meditate and kind of tune in. And then there's the piece where you try it out and you're like, well, actually, I hate doing that. So it's not for me. And it's kind of sifting through all of that stuff and getting into that process. And I actually put together a three-part kind of process and a free little course on my website where you can. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the first piece of what we've already been talking about is know yourself. And then the second piece of it would be. Um, like clearing your energy, getting centered. So I like to think of that as being clear in the moment. And so getting quiet, taking a moment, tuning in, but it's also the other piece of that is feeling clear in your entire lifestyle. So it's like taking care of yourself, working out, getting enough sleep, all that stuff goes along with that. And then the third piece is the practice actually working on it day in and day out and trying it out with parking spots and seeing if you had a hunch about something ahead of time and you know, it's easier to try it out with things that are not important and then are not big deals. And you start to right. get that validation. You start to trust yourself more and more.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the less attachment you have in the sense that, oh my God, this has to work or otherwise this thing is a bunch of nonsense, the easier it is to make it happen. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> Which is weird, but that's the way it works.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And I think you never know. It's like you never know what you're supposed to be getting out of the situation It's like you want it to be a certain way, but then it's not. And then you think, well, I didn't understand or I didn't get it right. Or my inner Oracle wasn't getting it right. But you just, you don't know what you're like. I always think of it as like your inner 90 year old. Hmm. Like what's their viewpoint of your whole life. So when you're trying Mm -hmm. to make a decision, it's like, what would, if you could imagine yourself at the end of your life, what would they be saying about it? Well, they know all the things that happened in the future because of what's happening right now. So they're able to kind of see that bigger picture. So it's a lot of times just kind of stepping out of that mindset of kind of wanting things to be a certain way. And, but you're right. It's like that resisting, you mentioned Esther Hicks. It's like that flow, right? You're going with the flow or you're, you're pushing against it. And so when something happens that you don't like, it's, it's like, why are you mentally against the flow of what's happening?
0: And you're right. It's also about what's your perspective on it. In other words, how are you looking at it? What, what viewpoint are you looking at it? You mentioned being able to look at it from the future, from the future self, which is a great way to do it. Um, another way to do it is from the perspective of source. You know, what, if source was looking at this, what would they be seeing? Um, there, there's a, there's an Esther Hicks ish uh, type person we know named David Strickle, who is also a channeler and, and just about as good as Abraham Hicks. Let me tell you. Uh, but anyway, he, um, he he has a, a meditation in one of his um courses that guides you to kind of go out into outer space way, way, way out, and then take a look at Earth and it's this little tiny thing way back there and the perspective is, Oh, that's how big my problems are. Okay. Right.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah.
0: So perspective is everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And just and just that shift can often move you past whatever that block is that you're stuck on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and actually part of the battle is, is not treating it like a block anymore. I, I mean, right. where, where I end up screwing myself up is when I keep talking about my block, my block, my block. Well, stop talking about it as a block. Right. Think about it differently. And then the block goes away and it's no longer a block.
1: Now yeah. Like a ramp. what's the gift in it? Right. In that exactly. experience. Yeah. In that so-called block. Right. And yeah. it's so much about what I found is it's so much about what we believe. Hmm. And then the boxes, like you said, that we put ourselves in. So if you put the box around this thing being a block, then you've just made it into a block. Right. Versus it's a step or it's partly, you know, like you said, it's a ramp. Yeah. Damn, we're
0: really good creators. I got to tell you. I know. (laughs) We don't always create what we have in mind, but hey, we're really, really good at this stuff. (laughs) I
1: just was rereading the first Conversations with God book.
0: Oh yeah, kneel down walls.
1: Oh man, there are some there are some good nuggets in there, and and that's sort of it's kind of solidifying what I'm working on with people, which is you know God says I keep saying God says in this book, everyone has psychic abilities, everyone is psychic, and that's kind of you know that word has like a a meaning because of the psychic hotlines and all that stuff that's out there that people. You know, it just has its own kind of like weight around it. But, oh, it but what what he's saying is, you all have this inner knowing. That's kind of what I started out talking about, and I'm like, yeah. it's just you can find that. I, I just thought it was reaffirming to read that in that book, and I thought, oh, God says it, so it must be true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is great. Yeah, that is fabulous. So. Yeah. Well, well, I
1: had this side story, and it just it's like those things that stick with you from when you're younger. Oh, we I was love in...
0: stories, so this is great. Believe okay, me, okay. you're jumping in the right way.
1: All right, great. I was in high school, and I had this physics class, which why they're teaching physics in high school. I'm not sure. I hated it. <laughs> and the man teaching it, you know, the rumor around school was that he was a certified genius. Yeah. However, you become a certified genius. I don't even know if that's a thing. But we, it's like maybe he would teach us lessons, and then he would put us into groups to do the pro- the problems. And mm-hmm. I never understood what was happening, but it was... And I didn't go to a very big school, but everyone in the class was like the smartest, the smartest kids in the class. And we would go up to him and ask him, but, but how do you, how does this, how do you do this? We don't understand. And he would look at us and say, you know.
0: (laughs) So what you're telling us is that he was, he was not just a physicist. He was a quantum physicist.
1: He was exactly, you know. And it just stuck with me because I would be like, no, I don't. This is really hard. <laughs> I don't get it, you know. But it's just always been in the back of my head. You know, he would do it over and over again. And I now I'm thinking, yeah, you do know. I mean, I don't know if you know if you can get to the bottom of a physics problem, but probably somewhere along the way, that goes along with the the Hart Math Institute. Are you familiar oh, with them? Oh yeah,
0: definitely. Sure.
1: They've done those studies where you know they they it's like students who are taking the SAT and they take the test once. And then there's two groups, one group keeps studying the other groups stop studying and does the, the resonance between the heart and the mind. And then they all take the test again. And the ones doing the resonance between the heart and the mind and not studying actually do better on the second round of the test because they're getting, I mean, the field of answers is out there, you know, it's just like, can you be calm enough to tap into it?
0: Yeah. By the way, the, the uh, I, have you? Do you have one of those heart math devices where you plug it in? I, and you yeah, pass I on? yeah, I do. Yeah, I have one of those too. I haven't used it in a while, but those the, the, it's spooky the first time. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know what your experience was. I'll tell you what my experience was. First time I tried to do it, I I couldn't get anything to work right, and then all of a sudden I got it, and I got it for a long period of time, and then it went away. It's like, wait a minute, what did I do? I don't understand what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I eventually got it, but it, it, it's very subtle. Yeah, what, what, what's guiding you to do is really, really subtle.
1: Yeah, it's it is really for me. I found that I had to um, almost like imagine myself on a beach, mm. really get my mental pictures to a place where I was calm, and and like making my thoughts do something besides trying to be quiet because that just never seems to work.
0: Right, right. So yeah. you're keeping it in in the zone, in the realm of something that felt really good something exciting and interesting like oh yeah yeah that'd be great yeah
1: something that just always brings me to my center i guess
0: right yeah yeah that's good that's good yeah so this is fun. This is good. And and thank you for joining us on the program and and being willing to share this time with us. Now, we have a couple of new things. One, one that I talked about on Friday for the first time, which is that we're going to be doing a deep dive at some point here. We don't even know yet what it's going to be about. We're going to find it in the midst of the program. So talking about connecting into your inner source, right? We're going to find it that way. But the other thing we're going to start doing is something we haven't done here on the podcast in quite some time. And that is what we generically call Q&A. Now, Q&A can be where uh, members of uh, the listening audience send in questions by email or whatever, and and we answer those, and and those are sometimes like the best episodes we've ever done. Um, but it can also be where we reach out to a social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and find stuff that people have posted there, particularly in a group and a help group, and you know just kind of extract those and treat them like they were being asked here on the program. And in in the cases where we did that in the past. It led to some really cool discussions. It led to some really interesting deep dives. So I figured, okay, let's see if we can bring that back, tie it in with the fact that we have some really cool guests on the program, like Laura, to kind of help us, you know, go through the stuff and just, you know, kind of merge the two groups together, so to speak. So that's what we're going to do today. And Laura has graciously agreed to join me in, in attempting to do this, so I have gone through uh, some facebook groups i've actually been doing a lot of outreach in Facebook lately to uh, you know basically work on expanding the audience and uh, i I've pulled out uh, like i don't know half a dozen questions here that people have posted and they're not law of attraction uh, in fact, almost none of them are directly law of attraction I mean they all are of course, when you think about it, but right. from their perspective they're not law of attraction and, and one of them actually it it Well, it ties into what we talk about in Law of Attraction circles, but that's not the way that the person who wrote the post is thinking about it. And that's what made it really interesting to me to lead off with this one. This is a relatively short one. And this was posted in, I don't remember what the name of the group is, but it's a group that basically explores any kind of question you want to bring up. Nothing is off base, you know, so whatever you want, sky's the limit. And what he wrote was this. He said, if everyone in the world had the same mindset and attitude as yours, do you think the world would be a better place or not? And then he wrote a postscript. Everyone, of course, keeps their personalities and intelligence and everything. It's just their attitude and mindset changes. So I'm going to throw that to you first, Laura. What do you think?
1: Wow. Um, the, okay, so like me personally?
0: Well, the question is, if everyone Didn't in the world you? had the same mindset as yours. So, so it's my I'm, mindset. So, so your mindset, your attitude. Definitely. What, <laughs> what, 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 what what do you think the world would be like? Would it be better? Would it be worse? What would it be?
1: My mindset is, and sort of curiosity, is to break down as many beliefs as I can. And so I feel that if most of the population wasn't living in such refined boxes, and I think the planet is changing in this way, but we would be able to create so much more technology that would help the planet we would be less afraid of the people that we interact with because it's, those are little boxes that we're putting ourselves in. So I definitely think that if everyone had that mindset of, you know, what limitation am I putting on myself right now by being afraid of this person that I'm interacting with or this other group of people that's on the planet or, you know, just even walking down the street at night um, or if they, You know, if if they were living this life that they didn't enjoy and they had the mindset of I can make a change, I don't have to live like this. To me, that's kind of the ultimate way the whole planet grows and improves.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, the way I'll interpret that is you're taking the word mindset in kind of a broad sense of everybody being in a place where they can easily take control of their own lives essentially both spiritually mentally emotionally physically in you know, all those different ways right and, and, and live better lives and, and I love that I think that's great I think you're right I think it's a good way to, to look at it um, of course the way I, now the way I was looking at it was a little bit different the way I was okay. thinking about it is there, there are a lot of people in this world in this world who want everyone else to think like they do and that's what they mean when they think about their mindset you know well my mindset is I am you know, I'm against climate change and I'm in favor of uh peace, world peace and all that kind of thing. And I want everybody else to think the same way I do. When I look at it that way, when it gets that specific, I say that doesn't work too good. Uh-uh. Cause the moment that we start looking at that way, then everybody basically has to think the same way, which is boring as heck. Right. <laughs> you end up with a life that nobody wants to lead anymore. Cause all the contrast is gone, you know, right. all the things that make the life interesting. So it's one of those, it, it's one of those things where, on the one hand, on the other hand, right? On the one right. hand, yeah, it'd be great. You know, the more people, I, I don't really think about it in terms of whether the entire world has the mindset we talk about here, but rather more and more people are informed about it and decide on their own to take it on. That, that to me is the exciting portion of it. You now, whether or not the whole world does it, I, I'm not even sure that's important, to be honest. Right. Because, I mean, we, we've, how many people on the planet right now? I, I'm going to estimate maybe. Well, in America, it's probably close to 10% are aware of law of attraction type thinking. Around the world, it's probably closer to 1%. Mm-hmm. And, and when you actually break it down to people who are really into it, now we're talking to a, a, a fraction of those numbers. So what are we talking about? Like 1% to 2% globally who are really seriously into this stuff? Right. You know, all it's, uh, Look how much change has come out of that. Right. And then, well, you know, just, just double that. Now we've got 4%. And we still got you know 96% of the world that hasn't made a shift. And there's a huge shift going on. So Mm -hmm. to to me, I mean, it it just becomes layers and layers of of bigness coming on after that. It doesn't have to be the whole world.
1: Right. Well, and I think there's so much negative stuff happening on the planet because people feel disempowered.
0: They do. Yes.
1: And so if you take that idea of this mindset of self-empowerment, you know, because you're going specific, like, oh, climate change. I went, yeah, like you said, really broad. But it's it's like, if you could step into, I feel self-empowered and I feel like I'm I am creating this world that I want to live in and the life that I have. It just, the whole blame game thing would go away too. Right?
0: Talk about that for a second.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so it's funny because I was just talking to my friend about this. Okay. The idea that came into my head was if and it sort of goes back to the conversations with God, but book actually, if you have never felt what it's like to be oppressed, you might not know how to stand up for yourself and kind of stand in your own power. Does that make sense? Like how Mm -hmm. would you think about people that, that are out there that have never felt oppressed in any way? And I mean, it can go down to the micro of, you know, you might feel oppressed by your parents not letting mm-hmm. you do what you want to do. So so we had to have that experience of feeling oppressed in order to stand up. I'm contradicting what I said earlier.
0: Um, <laughs> That's what's <laughs> so fun about these conversations. <laughs>
1: right? Do you take yourself in a circle. Right. Yeah. So so um, so back to the feeling of disempowerment, It's it's usually because you're saying this other group is doing this to me or this other person is doing this to me. But I've done a lot of shamanic soul retrieval work, um, inner work on myself. And the shaman that I worked with always said, you don't blame your parents. They were doing the best they could. There's no benefit in blaming them. And it's disempowering to say it was in their hands and that I I had no part in it or that I um, was just a victim of it. So it's Mm -hmm. like kind of getting rid of that victim consciousness and stepping into that empowerment consciousness. So more people were understanding things like, the law of attraction and what it can do for you and, and how all the energy kind of works in that realm, then they kind of step into that more powered centered place where they can take control and, you know, just feel more empowered in general.
0: It's interesting. You should mention that because like I said, I've been reaching out to uh, people through various groups that we've been finding on Facebook um, none of which have been related to law of attraction. They, they aren't even talking about law of attraction. It's not part of the conversation. And of course, when you're reaching out to people like that, you have to change your vernacular. You have to to speak in a way that matches the way people normally talk in society. So each step of the way, I find myself, you know, shifting. Okay, here's my concept. How do I want to express it in quote normal terms unquote, you know, terms that that everybody would understand? And it, it's quite an exercise. I, I'm finding it to be really interesting. How many times, how many different ways can I take something and change it into something that people will understand in in more mundane terminology? And what I'm discovering is when you do this often enough, well, first of all, it makes it easier to communicate with people who don't know this stuff. But secondly, it kind of refines your own thought process. Kind of like what you said, you, you, you caught yourself kind of going into a circle there. And until you walk through the process yourself, you don't realize all the different ways you can do that to yourself. But when right. you do it regularly, you really start to get a sense for how can I actually reach out to somebody to where they are to help them in the way that they understand. Right. And the beauty of what we know is that it gives us the foundation. It gives us the, the, the background, so to speak. To It gives us the perspective we need in order to address almost anything that comes up. Um, and because of that, I'm finding I can usually come up with something that fits in the way that people understand things without even mentioning the term law of attraction, which is fun. Right. It
1: it is fun because I think there's, there's so much wisdom in in these different modalities, but it's like some people will automatically be shut down by saying law of attraction. I was talking to someone yesterday who doesn't really believe in astrology at all. And I, and, but the person's a scientist, they consider themselves Mm -hmm. to be into science. And I'm like, listen, you scientists, do research and they test things out and they explore it. And to dismiss it from the start is actually very unscientific. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if you would get an astrology reading from maybe a couple of really good astrologers and then say, I don't believe in it that you would have more credibility because you actually tested it personally.
0: One of my best pieces I ever got on how to help people understand some of these concepts came from a scientist. He's actually married to my cousin. Oh, fun. And uh, it was the first time... Now, he's been married to my cousin for, God, I don't know, 30, 40 years. It was the first time I'd ever met him was just before the pandemic. So I'd never had a chance to actually talk to him. His name's Ray. And and got to know him, and I really liked him. We had a great conversation. And I, I have some science... Um, not in my uh, professional background, but I, I, I had studied enough science. I actually liked physics in high school. I was one of those <laughs> ones. Uh, but I, I knew enough that I could carry on a conversation with this guy. Well, his field was physics. And let me tell you, deep, deep, deep into physics. I mean, this guy knew stuff that, though, half the words that came out of his mouth, I had no idea what they meant. But he was trying to keep it as simple as he could, too. And he really made a really interesting point in the midst of the conversation that I have never forgotten since then. He said, I, I was pointing out how there's a whole lot of um, oh, distortion of science that goes on these days. And people you know, saying, well, you know, here's what the, si- the science proves this or the science proves that and so forth. And the, the counterpoint that he made to me was anybody who claims that they are a scientist and that they are making a point about proof are demonstrating that they are not scientists. And the reason is that science does not engage in proof. Mm-hmm. Science is a data gathering enterprise. Those were his words. It's a data gathering enterprise. Well, that's exactly what somebody exploring astrology is doing. They're gathering data. Right. That's what somebody who's exploring any of the stuff that we're doing is doing. We're gathering data. We aren't necessarily proving anything. We aren't trying to say, this is the final answer to everything. We're gathering data and trying to understand what the data is telling us.
1: Right. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, my gosh. Right. I didn't right. think about that. Yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah. We're a data gatherers.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, because I mean, so many people say, "Well, I need the proof." And I thought, just next week, they'll come out with a study that contradicts whatever this one says. So
0: well, I that's been know. the history of science. That's <laughs> right. literally been the history of science. Almost everything that science has ever "quote" proven, unquote, which, by the way, it never has. If you actually look at what scientists, the real scientists themselves, said, they never talked in terms of proof. There was not—you you won't find a, a genuine science scientist who was given some degree of historical relevance because of some wonderful thing that he did, who claimed that he had proven anything. They, scientists never prove anything. But there was that popular mythology, I think it came up through the press more than anything else, mm-hmm. um, that, that said that, well, science is proving things all over the place. And then you got the, you know, the political activists saying, oh, well, science proves this, science proves that. And, you know, and, and basically you have the non-scientists pushing this whole idea of scientific proof. And there's no such thing.
1: <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And then you get into the layers, like you mentioned quantum physics earlier. It's it's like that just starts to blow your mind if you read oh, something does. like the biology of belief and Oof. the idea of the placebo yes. effect and and the, the what is it, the observer, like, I don't know what they call it, the observer phenomenon when it's mm-hmm. kind of the observer is affecting right. like, what's kind of happening with the results of the study. I I just, I always, my philosophy about it is our technology, we think it's advanced, but it's going to have so much further to go because we're not even basing any of the main science that we're doing on the quantum realm. It's all based on this non-quantum, you know, it's like all of the medicines that are made in pharmaceutical industries those are made based off of the science that's the science that was science before quantum physics was realized.
0: That's valid. That's a valid point.
1: So it's like, we're doing the best we can, but this, it's like, there's a quote, some anonymous quote from the 1800s. This person said, everything that has been invented, everything that could be invented has already been invented.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, it's like,
1: they had no idea what was coming. So I think that's the mindset we should have is we have no idea what could happen next.
0: And it happens in the world of technology, by the way, because that was also said about computers in the nineteen fifties. I don't remember who it was. A famous person in the computer industry said that the world will never need more than nine mainframe computers for everything it ever ever needs to compute.
1: <laughs> they didn't know about camera phones. <laughs> I said that when the camera phone first came out, I thought, Why do you need a camera on your phone? I do not understand. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really changed the whole thing. And yeah. the changes come in a lot of different ways. But anyway, that this has been an interesting exploration of that question. So we're, we're off to a good start here. Let's, let's go on to another one. Okay. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit longer. Um, it's, this is, uh, th- there's a lot of uh, relationship stuff. And so some of these are going to be relationship based. This one says, my friend and I are in conflict. Whenever I try discussing how he is making me feel, he gets very defensive and he feels I am attacking and blaming him, which is not the case. I realize I am just as much to blame for our issues as he is. However, I also know that they won't be resolved without an open and honest discussion about how we both treat each other and how it makes us feel. So what I would like to know is how does a person go about expressing how they're feeling about how they're being treated by another person without causing the other person to feel attacked.
1: Okay. I have so many thoughts about this. First (laughs) of all, you have no way of controlling how the other person is going to react. Mm. You can only control how you react. Second of all, get the book Nonviolent Communication. It's a game changer. And what I learned from that was when you are expressing how you're feeling about something, you want to only talk in very specific terms. So if if you say, you never do the laundry, that is a generalized attack. You want to say, on Tuesday, when you didn't do the laundry, and I was really busy with the kids, I felt that I was kind of on my own having to do all this work. And I've only read the book once. I think there's an entire trainings that you have to do on it, but it gives you really specific ways to talk about something. So you want to give an example of a specific moment in time when something happened and how you felt as a result of it. Mm -hmm. Because if you start doing the generalization, then it's just, it's almost like the energy I can feel the energy sort of come at the person and they'll just block it. Um, the third piece of this I want to say is I would love to know the birth dates of these two people because the cards have a compatibility aspect and we have, um, so it's like two people might have Saturn between them or they might have Mars or they might have Venus. And if you're familiar with astrology, the energies are the same type of energy. But if these two people are constantly in conflict, in my mind, they probably have either a karmic direct karmic relationship, or they have a Saturn or a Pluto because if they had just Venus, they wouldn't be bickering like this. It just, it's not that people of Venus never fight, but it's just, if it's constant, they've got some really intense work to do. And it's, it's, to me, it's a lot about self-reflection. So if you are annoyed with the person that's doing X, Y, Z things, you need to say to yourself, how do I also do those type of similar things? And sometimes it's so layered that you you really have to dig into it about what is really annoying you about that person. And they're making me feel, and there it is again, we can circle back to what we talked about earlier. They are making me feel you are feeling that way. No one can make you feel that way. So it's, what is it about your probably how you grew up? Some of the wounding you have from when you were really young, that this person is bringing you forward in you so that you can clear it. Mm. Um, cause to me, any kind of conflict, any kind of, problem is it's back to taking that responsibility for self. It's, it's 100% you working on your own stuff. Because what I've learned from all the inner work that I've done is you can have the, you can clear whatever it is, is causing. Let's just pick like they have one particular, let's pretend like these two people have one issue that they're working on. Whatever is causing you to have that reaction with that one issue. If you clear that and the person does the exact same thing and you've cleared it, you will no longer have a reaction at all because what's happening is you are whatever they're doing that they're triggering. You're actually, I always see it as like the person's reaching you, whatever they say, you're it's like, you've got a button from like when you were four and you're going back and pushing that button and the four year olds coming out and reacting. And so if you go back and heal, whatever that button was, then you're, you're fully your adult self and you are able to react from that space and say, Oh, this person I could see is really struggling because they're doing this again, but it's not bothering me because I know it's really their thing. It's I'm so perfect. I never have issues. And I did not, <laughs> did not get together with my family this weekend and completely freak out at both of my parents at different times, you know, but still <laughs> you, you, it's, it's an ongoing process, but I, at least like when I'm, it's happening, I'm thinking, okay, what just happened and why was I so impatient? And you know what, because it's, it's not on them. It's on me. And And so each person, I think when the person was describing the situation, they each need to take responsibility for themselves. And it, and it sounds like the one person writing in is really trying and the other person is getting so offensive. But I think this is why I have so many thoughts. So the other piece to this is (laughs) I would approach it like you, uh, you guys are on the same team. So when you're, you know, trying to express your feelings. If you can make the other person still feel like they're on your team, like you're, you are friends for a reason and you, you've got each other's backs. And if you can start from that point, that kind of will soften things to, to kind of get to the bottom. But when all else fails, get that nonviolent communication book, because it, it's really, really powerful way to get your feelings across without Um, what the other person might perceive as an attack.
0: That's good. I I like what you did there. And and you actually touched it, because I actually did answer the question directly in the group. And I was curious to see how much overlap there was going to be. And there's quite a bit. Um, you, You talked about the button pushing. I made button pushing actually front and center on my answer. And you also, I love how you kind of start off with some of the concepts we talk about in these circles and then you try to make it, okay, what can I do this more real world to them? You, you, I could just see your thought process. You were doing exactly <laughs> the same thing that I was doing when I was well, trying to answer the question.
1: I like to give this example, and this actually was an astrologer that said this to me who was originally like a PhD psychology candidate. But um, he says, you know, if you think about the color red and you're in a room with a group of people and you go around the room and ask, what do you think about the color red? And they all have their own stories about what they think about the color red. But the color red is just the color red. And they're right. just taking their story and putting it on it. And we're doing that all the time with everything on the planet, with everyone that we talk to constantly. So it's it's pulling back and looking at what your story is around this. And I just, this is my intuition, but I just have a feeling the person asking the question isn't being as... Uh, I don't want to say like aligned or PC or in the, you know, they're not, whatever they're saying to their friend, they think it's a, like a good way to say it or that they're not mm-hmm. tr- but they're not, they're not really looking at what it is they're saying to their friend and the friend's freaking out. But this person keeps saying, I keep trying to bring it up, but it's, you also have to go back. Well, if I keep trying to bring it up and it's blowing up in my face every time, maybe I'm not bringing it up right.
0: Yeah. That's a theme that I, I on a lot. I can't remember if I did it with this person, but the idea of we are the common denominator of our experiences. So if we have the same experience over and over again, guess who is common to all of them? It's us. Yeah. And that, that makes it pretty simple to see, okay, this is where the problem is. I, I, it happens over and over again. It's got to be me. I'm not sure yeah. what it is, but it's got to be me. So that's and I think have to start. It's,
1: it's hard to see those patterns sometimes. Mm. But I, I found over the years of doing Reiki, people will say, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening, or doing intuitive readings with people. And I, I go, here's the thread. And, and I can see it happening through all of these different things, and they just they they're not seeing the similarities in the situations. So I think that's a good point. It's like pulling back thing the common denominator. But sometimes it's obvious, and sometimes it's not.
0: No, it's not. That's well. That's why they call it a common denominator. So you can actually check to see. Well, is it? Oh is God, it maybe me? It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yes. and I I definitely it hit is. on the whole idea of button pushing the way you did. In fact, I made it like the central theme of what I what I told them about. Because uh, I pointed out that uh, what both he and his friend were doing was essentially the same thing. They were they were choosing to be hurt by what the other person did, pushing their buttons. Right. And I pointed out the way to understand is that buttons are not created by people who push them; they are created by people who have them, who hold them. <laughs> yeah. So your buttons you created, his buttons he created, and you're pushing each other's buttons and blaming each other for it.
1: Right. Yeah. And once you understand it
0: that way, now now it becomes clear what the job is. The job is no longer not, it's not you trying to get him to let go of his buttons. It's not him trying to get you to let go of your buttons. It's not you trying to get him to stop pushing your buttons. It's not him trying to get you to stop pushing your buttons. It's you taking responsibility for your own buttons, him taking responsibility for his buttons, and the two of you respecting each other for doing that.
1: Yeah. And I would take it even a step further, too, because I think um one of the main, like, and if you get therapy, it's like you learn how to manage your buttons. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, you actually can get rid of them completely.
0: Oh, you can. Yeah.
1: So it's going to that deeper layer of, I have this button. What's it really trying to say to me? And, and what do I need to understand to be able to clear it?
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's actually fairly easy to clear a button once you take that attitude toward it, because yeah. then the question becomes, okay, well, what is my button? Every time that I react, what am I reacting to? Where's What's triggering this thing? Maybe that's one way to get there first. So if I can figure out what's triggering it, well, that gives me an idea. But what exactly is the button doing? If, if I were to label this button, what is this button? It's the, they, they push the button and I get all upset. What's, what is that button? And, and once you have an idea of how you can label it, now it becomes so much easier to let go of the darn thing. Like, oh, my God, I didn't realize I was hanging on to that all this time. Right. But until you can label it, until you can put words to it, it becomes very hard to identify what's going on. It's putting words to it that I think is really the most important part. Because if you can identify it, if you can give it a name and say, yeah, that's exactly what it is, then you can you can pretty much say, yeah, I can see where I do that. Yeah, I can see where I have a tendency to do that. I'm willing to let that go. That's okay. Yeah. I don't really need that. I didn't know I was doing that to myself.
1: Well, and I think you really touched on something important, and it's the words. Yeah. So if you're trying to scan and figure out what your button is, just keep saying things until you feel a charge in your body. Yes. Because a lot of times when we have these reactions, it's a physical, you know, like you might get angry or you might, you might just feel a clenching somewhere or, you know, you might feel that kind of like, Stuff come up in your throat, not actual stuff, just energy come up in your throat. <laughs> well, it
0: can be. It can work Hopefully, not actually your really. You never
1: know. Um, but when you feel that physical reaction, when you hear the right phrase, the triggering phrase, or let's say you're, it's like, let's say you you realize it's about self worth or mm-hmm. something. But that phrase, I'm like, it's not. It doesn't really have any meaning. You have to say, I feel like no one's paying attention to me. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got to find the right actual phrase that makes you want to cry or punch something or whatever. And then you can get, I think that's because then you're connecting and I'm in the kind of yoga world. There are these layers to your, to your system, the physical one, the mental one, the emotional one, and the spiritual one. just to simplify. Mm -hmm. So if you can use the physical sensation to understand that there is an emotional reaction, then the mental words well, it'll be easier to clear it. So, you know, we talk about like affirmations, but that's affirmations are kind of in the mental body. If you're not, if you've got the button and it was created in the emotional body, which is usually the case, then you're trying to use a mental activity to heal something emotionally. So in my mind, that's one thing, but if you're just using these words and they have no meaning to you, and by meaning, I mean, they're not emotionally charged in your body, then they're not going to help heal that emotional side as well as, or as well as when you actually process the emotion or let the emotion come up and out. Does that make sense? Processing the
0: emotion. That's a really key phrase too. Yeah. That one, I have to say that one confused me for years. What does it mean to process an emotion? What am I doing? Am I putting it on a, conve- on a conveyor <laughs> line and like the belt's doing something? I don't know. What you we mean to process it? Is this like processed food? You know, we're going to put it, you know, run it through a mill, make it all white or something. What is this?
1: <laughs> right.
0: But, but then I finally, re- I, I finally learned what the, the answer was. To process it simply means to play it through. To just keep playing it through until it, you've played the whole thing and yeah. you felt the whole thing through. And when, once I finally realized what that was, it started to make sense to me because I know that if I feel something all the way through, it dissipates. Yep. It doesn't hang around anymore.
1: Right. Well, I always think, it of, think of it when I think I'm around toddlers hmm. because they're, they're they're perfect example. They're, they just get upset, they blah, and then they move on. And and they do it over and over and over again with all kinds of different emotions. And it's, you know, when we were young, what happened was, for example, let's say your parents did not like it when you were running around the house and screaming. And so they would say, go outside and play. You eventually maybe made this rule up that said, I can't have fun inside or I can't have fun at all because in a child's mind, laughing and yelling and running around is having fun. Right, And so the parents are just tired. You know, they're not really, it's not really their fault, but you made this rule up. And so you suppress that ability to have fun. Well, we're doing that all the time with our emotions. If I get upset, what's going to happen to mom? If I get angry, what's going to happen? How's my parent going to react? So we're constantly as kids creating all these rules for ourselves and suppressing those emotions. And as adults, now we need to be, well, basically you can see the planet is being run by a bunch of adults that are stunted from the age of like five to seven <laughs> with their emotions but if, if you can just let yourself have it out you don't need to have it out with someone but the crying the punching on the, on the bed going box like going boxing there's so many ways to kind of process those emotions some people like to dance sometimes doing yoga helps but for me it's a lot of physical physical movement to help move those emotions through and just like you said process you just let them come up you let it come all the way out and you and you let it go
0: yeah, that's good. I love that. That's really, really good. So hopefully, uh, well, I I know the comment, uh, this is one of those times where, you know, shortly after I left the comment, I got feedback and he loved what I said. So he's going to love it even more. I'm going to give him a little link so he can see this section too and he can play this part. Through okay, too. good. So hopefully that, this helps to add to what he picked up before. Um, wow, we're really flying through time here. I think we may have time for one more. Uh, okay. So let me grab one more here. I'm, I'm going to like pick the best one that I can find. Okay. What's left here. Let me just take a second. Uh, okay. Well, that was an interesting one. I'm not sure how long this will, will take, but let me bring it in. Um, the question that was asked is, what's wrong with asking questions about the future? Why do some women, I wrote this one, why do some women flip their attitudes to make it look like it's my fault for asking two simple questions? I'm not stupid, just slow, so I have to burn you all, and I'm sorry. And that was his entire post. <laughs>
1: Wait, so the women are getting mad at him for asking questions about the future?
0: Yeah, yeah, and you have to like, kind of like imagine what those questions might be, I guess. Oh, um, like I, he
1: wants I, to know about the status of their relationship in the future, probably, maybe? Yeah, okay, like the line. gender roles are a little reversed here, maybe? Right, 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 <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, this is—I love this. Just, I just want to tell you, I love this so much because in the intuitive work that I do, the question you ask is so telling. So to me, this guy is asking and has, um, insecurity about the relationship, which is mm-hmm. why he's asking about the future. Okay. And so the women are reacting because who knows why it could be a million things. They sure. don't want a guy that's insecure. Maybe they don't really know about this relationship. Maybe they're not sure. And he's feeling they're not being so sure. So he's asking. So there, to me, the question is there is nothing wrong with asking about the future, but the fact that you're doing it is telling everyone involved a lot. So, I mean, the question you should be asking yourself, but always put it back on the person asking, is why are you asking questions about the future? Mm-hmm. What what's the problem? Is there a disconnect between in the communication? Are you a, do you have fears of abandonment? You know, there there's got to be something deeper going on there, otherwise. It's like that. Where is this relationship going? You know, ever, we've all we've all been in this situation, I'm sure. You know, where is this relationship going? You know, how do you really feel about me? Are we going to be, are we really this? Or are we really that? It's, it's that underlying insecurity of a solid foundation. And it could be, you know, it, the, it could be two different things. or kind of a combination of things, but I always feel um, like we're sort of matching an energy in some way. So he's picking out these women that aren't really maybe committing to him, but why does he keep picking out people that are not committing? I mean, clearly, we can't talk to this person, but I would have a million questions for him. you know it's like, yeah how many how long have you been going through this, and what is really back to you said, back to what you said earlier, the common denominator of this guy is picking out women that won't commit to him, so how is he not committing to himself in some way? is where uh-huh. I would go with that.
0: That's beautiful. I, I, I was trying to remember what my own response was, and you cued it for me. That, that's pretty much what I said now that I think about it, that you know, there is that common denominator thing going on. That's right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, that, that's what it was. And another thought that came to me, he he kept uh, he made the reference to some women flip their attitudes to make it look like it's my fault. The moment that I hear somebody bringing the phrase, my fault, is the moment that I start thinking about blame. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to blame you, or somebody's blaming me, or or something along that line. And I know every time that blame is involved, it means somebody's feeling negative. Before mm-hmm. the conversation even took place, right. something wasn't feeling good. Right. So, I think I I'm totally with you. I think that there is something going on that we don't have to know about. It's not important for us to know about. Right. Uh, but there is something going on that it has been common to each of the different relationships he's in, where he is in some way attracting people who are for whatever reason, not ready to commit. Yeah. It it may be because they're commitment phobic. It may be because things are happening too quickly. There are a lot of possible reasons why it's going on, but the pattern is there and it's happening over and over again. So this is the, this is what we were talking about before when a pattern keeps happening over and over again. The biggest challenge we have is to notice the pattern. Mm -hmm. If we can notice that pattern, Now all of a sudden we've got that data. This is the science part of what we're talking about. We're data collectors. Well, we just collected some data and like, oh, all the data adds up to the same thing. That's good news. That's not, (laughs) this is not a time to start, you know, lighting my hair on fire. This is like, wow, (laughs) I found a trend. This is great. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right. And then it's going back to that, like, but why am I in this position right now? What is it? What? wounding do I have, what happened with my youth or whatever that would cause me to be in this, attracting these types of things. Mm. Yeah.
0: Good. Yeah, this is great. I love this. Let me see <laughs> if I can find one more that, because uh, that actually took less time than I thought it was going to take. I didn't think it was going to take very much time, but in this <laughs> case, it took even less than I thought. <laughs> okay. Let, let's go off to a different field. This is um This is somebody who's asking a question about his education. Basically, it's a career field in that sense, a career, career question. He says, I want to stay anonymous, so kindly post this on my behalf. And by the way, most of these, it's interesting how many people are joining groups now where they can post anonymously. There's, that's a very interesting phenomenon going oh. on right now. Yeah. But anyway, he says, um, I will be 37 in June. I have a degree in forestry and a postgraduate diploma in education. I've been teaching for 10 years now, but I want a career change. I want to study electronic engineering so that I can divert to auto electronics. Really interesting shift there. He says, I am also looking at computer science so that I can study data science. And I want to study any of them overseas. I think in both cases, I need a first degree again. So what are my chances? Will I get admission? I thought, whoa, I I wasn't expecting that question at all. But what an interesting lead up. He's got all this stuff going on. He's got the stuff he wants to go to and he's concerned. Will I get admitted to a school? I guess because of his age, because he specified that he's 37? So what do (laughs) you think about that?
1: Well, I mean, it's not that hard to apply. So just try it out. I don't, I mean, I have no idea. I'm sure that they're trying to diversify, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are different schools that that have different purposes, but and i'm also sure they're trying to diversify and probably not across not just across gender and race but also across age. Yes. So i would think he would not have any trouble getting in with all of his i mean he seems like a smart person with all of those all of those other degrees, but i'm i'm curious cuz i have this and and a lot of times when we recognize something in someone else it's cuz Maybe we've had it in the past. Or we have it. It's like, I just want to know this is all going to work out before I bother with it.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: So there's a little bit of that because in my mind, it's it's like, you know, he could be asking, will I get a job? Well, I can understand that better because you now you're going to go through school. That's years of your life. But just to apply to a school or two isn't that much money or time to find out if you would get in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's interesting. He, this person sounds like they've got my, I don't know what you would call that issue, but it's like, I just, I don't want to bother with this if it's not going to work out.
0: <laughs> well, to me, it's actually a self-confidence issue, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. think this is the way I actually answered it, but when I answered in that particular post, but it's really a self-confidence issue. It's basically, despite the fact that he has all these credentials and he's been teaching and all this other stuff, he's not convinced that a school would actually take him to take on a new subject.
1: Right. And I was thinking, he was thinking it was his age.
0: I thought that too. That was my first impression. But
1: I think you might be right. In general, it's like, I'm switching my life career. So you know what schools want? Schools want money and they want people that are not going to flunk out. So I feel like (laughs) you're probably going to be okay.
0: I actually think probably he'd get a very quick acceptance more than anything else. I don't think it'd be a question of being rejected. It's more like, you know, which one do you want to go to more than anything else?
1: Right. And what, you know, it's like, I just, uh, a relative of mine just did an online bachelor of science in computer science out in the University of Oregon or the University of Washington or something. But, you know, they've got online programs and and he was definitely a career change from a totally different thing and it had no problem getting in there. So I'm sure there are programs out there. Is he going to go to like be on campus with undergrads? Probably not. But, you know, maybe he, he, again, it's like decide what you want and then go find it and ask for it.
0: The only thing I can think of beyond what we talked about that could be a stumbling block, he did mention, I want to study any of them overseas. So it's possible he sees studying overseas as being a stumbling block. Right, stumbling. right. Yeah, and it's hard to tell exactly why that's... Is it, is it because of money? Is it because he's concerned about visas and, and, and passports and all that kind of thing? It's, it's hard to tell exactly what he's thinking. Right, it's hard yeah.
1: to tell what, what's, yeah. what his hang-up is, yeah. Because I don't know what all those rules are for the overseas studies. But again, I'm thinking that they would want diversification. They would have a certain number of foreign students every year and all of that.
0: I do think there's one common factor here, though, that, again, I don't think I actually addressed it the first time, but it's really popping out to me now. And that is, it's just the lack of self-confidence, which is another way of saying a lack of belief that he can get what he wants. Right. And that's actually very common. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's well-credentialed, But it's also going to be true among people who are not so well credentialed. It's going to be true by a a large segment of the population, just not really confident they've got what it takes.
1: Right, or that there's some sort of like create like some sort of structure of how universities work overseas out there that's going to stop me from getting what I want.
0: Yeah, that could be too. Yeah, that could be. Yeah,
1: it's like, but it's it's more it's in you know a nuanced kind of. It's kind of a nuanced thing because there are all these kind of rules and structures that he's put in place about what he wants. And so it's easy to say, well, that's too complicated. I might not be able to get it.
0: I'm also reminded. I'm reminded of the fact that we've had a number of people on recently who've talked about um, not just career changes, but going into business and, and becoming highly successful. I I have um, one of my co-hosts is a a multimillionaire who teaches other people how to be millionaires. Um, There was one show where where we had him and another multimillionaire on, and they were just going at it by, well, here's all the things that you go through. And the theme that came through out of that show was that people who succeed in a big way go through tons of failures first,
1: mm-hmm. they
0: fail and then they fail and then they fail again and they fail again and they fail and then they finally break through and they have a huge success, yeah but they had to go through all the failures first and and that perhaps one of the big differences between the few who actually go through that and become highly successful and the rest of us is that they're not afraid to fail, yeah, failure is just okay, I just missed another one, whereas for a lot of us, this failure is oh my god, i'm done right. I can't do anymore. I'm stuck. Well, I've been defeated.
1: Yeah, and they give up. So what do you yeah. think that that, um, like, I'm curious about the law of attraction. What would that say about the, the, why do you think that that repeated failure is part of the path?
0: Oh, well, from a law of attraction perspective, law of attraction, what you focus your attention on, you get more of. Like attracts like. You know, so you, you focus on the belief that it's going to be tough. And so you get tough. You focus on the belief that if you fail once, you're done. And so when you fail once, you're done. You, you focus on the belief that failure is is somehow a black mark against you. And so when you fail, it becomes a black mark against you. Your expectation creates your experience.
1: So then, the people that are successful they just they say i don 't care how much this this i don't care that this didn't work out i 'm going to keep going i don't care that right. this didn 't work out. I keep going yes, yeah,
0: and that's the difference that's the huge difference and, yeah. and actually, if we apply that to almost anything else in life, is it really any different from relationships i mean right. relationships how many people go through relationship after relationship i certainly did i mean I was one of the most sorry. Single males you 've ever met in your entire life for the first <laughs> twenty plus years of my adult uh, life as a as a human being simply because I kept making the same mistake over and over again, and, and i didn 't even know what the mistake was. It took a long, long time before I noticed what the pattern was. i actually didn 't even met- notice the pattern until after I met my wife, which is really oh, interesting. It was wow. the whole story that's evolved in that, but uh, the pattern was deep down subconsciously, I believed before I even met her that any woman I would meet would not want to be with me. I mean, talk about a self-sabotaging belief. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I believed deep down. And if you had asked me about it at the time, I would have denied it. Mm-hmm. But looking back after I got through all of it, I realized, yeah, that was really what was going on.
1: Yeah. So- yeah. Well, and so when she finally decided, when you met her and she wanted to be with you,
0: Well, actually, what happened there was a month before I met my wife, I quit relationships.
1: Nice. I've heard this story a lot from people.
0: (laughs) Right. Because I didn't know what else to do. It was actually the best thing I could have done. I didn't know it at the time. It was the best thing I could have done. But I just quit. I just gave up, threw in the towel. And that just let go of all that negative energy I was hanging on to. And once I did that, a good friend of mine, who was also a friend of hers, actually a colleague of hers at work, introduced us. And and my first, this is the best part. My first reaction when my my friend was Debbie, when Debbie gave me a call, she says, uh, I have this friend from work who would like to meet you. Can I give you her number? My response was, I just quit relationships. I am not (laughs) interested anymore. (laughs) Fortunately, Debbie is a psychotherapist. So she was able to kind of talk me through some stuff (laughs) to the point where I'd be willing to make the phone call. (laughs) Yeah, just
1: go for coffee, you know. Right. It's okay.
0: (laughs) Even worse than that. We, we, we had like three phone calls that I did with her, and each one was great. It lasted a couple of hours. We, we, we synced really well and so forth. But I still had that old tape playing in my head, right? And I was really afraid about how it's going to work out. And she had her own stuff, too, that she'd been working on for years. Well, we, we, we meet, and the first meeting is terrible. Really. <laughs> it was like the worst. It, w- it wasn't the date from hell. It wasn't that kind of thing. But, like, she didn't even look in my eyes for, all, for most of the day. Most of the day, she's looking down at the table. And, and I'm trying to connect with her and I and, and I'm not really good at connecting anyway because I have all this history going on. It was just a very uncomfortable date. Fortunately, afterward, she calls her friend and talks to her friend about what her thing was about me. Now with me, I, I'm a very tall man. I'm six foot eight. So wow. for her, it was the height thing. It was really, really a big deal for her. And she calls her friend up and, and she says to her friend, I don't know if this can work. She's her friend says, why nice? Well, he's so tall. She says, well, if that's the only reason, what the hell are you doing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got some friends that talk some sense into you sometimes. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And in my case, my friend Debbie was having a party that day because her birthday, my birthday, and a third person are all within a few days of each other. And the day that Louise and I met was two days before my birthday. We were having a joint birthday party that night. So I went over to Debbie's house and Debbie asked me, so how'd it go? And I said, it was terrible. <laughs> and Debbie said to me, well, you're going to give it the three day rule, right? And I said, what on earth is a three day rule? I've never heard of that. <laughs> she says, the three date rule is where you give it three tries before you make a gesture. And I said, oh, do I have to? <laughs> But she talked me into it. I made the call and within a couple of dates later, everything had turned around and we were in good stead. So it's basically a story about how, despite all that baggage I was carrying along, I let most of it go and a good friend helped me to let the rest of it go. And once I did, everything started to work.
1: Yeah. That's really powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it And it literally took me probably five years after that before I finally saw the pattern. Wow. Yeah. that is wild wow it is it's crazy oh my goodness well this has been fun i kind of wish we could go on forever but we do have kind of a one hour limit we we set here probably because of where we distribute this so i gotta first of all say thank you so much laura for joining me here on the program and talking about all this stuff um now you do have uh something coming up in may and and we kind of hinted at before but talk about that in more detail and let people know how to find you and how to find that
1: Okay, yeah, so it's gonna be a 30 day program where you get a, a a it's like a meditation visualization, but it's really a process each day and they build on each other. And this is to teach you how to build your own intuitive workshop in your mind where you can go to project to the future, project to the past, learn how to work on healing yourself, um, you know, do all kinds of things, decision making, goal setting. And so it takes you through that whole process and gives you a bunch of ideas of things you can work on from that, from that kind of part of your mind. That's, that's, we work on getting into theta level brainwaves so that you're going into a different set of brainwaves that will help kind of almost create that, uh, structure so that you can mentally create what you want in your life. So it's a 30 day kind of boot camp type of thing. And that is on my website under events, actually under trainings. And my website is LauraTheintuitive.com And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook with the same tag, Laura, the intuitive.
0: Okay, good. And we'll be sure that we include the website link in the show notes as well. So if you're listening to this afterward, you want to find it, that's the easy way to find it. But uh, anyway, thank you so much, Laura, again, for joining us. I mean, this has been delightful. I've really enjoyed this very, very much. And, and I really too. appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's been really, truly really wonderful. So, yeah, thank you very much. And of course, uh, Louis and Amory will be back next week. Uh, but in the meantime, I'll just say thank you to all of our listeners everywhere as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.